Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. For anyone who wants to make money and make a difference, grow and leverage your enterprise better, get more done in less time, outsource everything and create your ideal lifestyle. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, this is Rob Moore here with 18 ways, at least 18 ways, to increase your profits in your business. Now, in the last 11 years, I, I've had a business that's become more profitable every year, gross and net margin, and the turnover's gone from zero to about 18 million. The seven years before that, I had pub business, art business, architecture business, well, kind of, and all they all made no money. So I've had kind of the, loads of failures and a few uh, good years along the way. So here are at least 18 ways to increase your profits. So number one is increase your prices. Now, a lot of people have challenges, fears, doubts about increasing their prices. I'll come to those in a moment. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll list the 18 ways and then I'll come back and go through them. Um, so you can get a quick sort of five minute, all right, I'm going to go and do this now. Or if you want to listen to the whole video or listen to the whole audio, you can do that too. So the second thing you can do is reduce your cost. Now, your fixed costs and variable costs. So variable costs change month to month, maybe what you invest in marketing. Uh, and then fixed costs uh, remain constant, like business rates, like um, you know the rent or ownership, remortgage, paying the mortgage of your building or your staff. Uh, and um, there are different types of costs, but of course, reducing your cost by 10% can, can sometimes double or increase by 50% your profit margin. The thing with reducing cost is that a pound gained in turnover might be worth net 20% profit, so net 20, 20 pence to you in your business. Uh, whereas a pound saved goes right to the bottom line and is worth virtually a pound in net profit. So pound for pound, a saved pound will make you up to five times more net than an earned pound. Now, people like me in my business, I'm very big picture, sky, blue sky, strategy, visionary thinker. So I'm always thinking top, top, uh, top line turnover, turnover. You know, what's the turnover this year? What's the target this year? What's the, 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 the gross revenue? Now, my business partner, Mark Homer, who's very much more, you know, cost cutting. He's, um, you know, he's tactical, he's operational. He's looking at how he can reduce the um, spend. And they're different kind of thinking. So maybe having someone else in your business that's either the big picture if you're the operational person or vice versa will help you both drive the turnover and maintain the profit margin. What you generally find in business is as you drive the turnover up, the profit margin goes down. So a one year into its business business might do a profit margin of net 50%. But Tesco's might be 3%, it's about 3%, you know, but of course that's on billions of pounds. So you'll get these diminishing laws of returns as you grow, but if you're too much focused on the turnover, obviously you'll get wastage because you won't look at how you can save costs. And the, the bigger you get, the more wastage there is. I'm gonna be doing a future podcast and video on wastage, by the way, so keep your eye out for that. I've got about 21 ways that most people are wasting money in their business that you can cut. Okay, so the next thing you can do to increase your profits is to increase the volume of your sales. You're probably not selling enough. So get your stuff out there, sell it more. Um, you've probably already got most of your cost sunk into what you've already produced, whether it's stock or what you've already sold. So the, the top 20%, the next 20% that you sell will have a greater margin. So selling 20% more, there's a much lower margin and therefore increased profit margin on that. You could also, and this is one I haven't even put in the list, you could also create online products or sell stuff 
um, which has less cost attached to it. So if you're a physical business and you hold physical stock and it costs you a lot of money to produce your materials, if you could sell information on that, if you could have online courses on that, you know, if you could have apps that, um, you know, that aren't physical and tangible, it's likely that there's a much lower cost base and therefore a higher margin. You know, if you can sell your time, if you can sell your information, do your own live feeds, do your own webinars, do your own online programs. If you bake cakes, teach people how to bake cakes. You might make more money teaching people how to bake cakes as baking cakes, as long as you can bake cakes, because otherwise that makes you one of those gurus, you know, who's teaching, uh, but actually uh, they can't do. You've got to bake the cake and teach how to bake the cake. But, you know, if you look at a lot of the celebrity chefs on TV at the moment, you know, you know, they make millions and millions and millions uh, off of TV selling to you, sharing their information. And then from that, they can have their brand and their merchandise and set up their restaurants. Look at how amazing, you know, Jamie Oliver's done, people like that. So you can think about that in your business, too. OK, so number five to increase your profits is to reduce your wastage. So physical wastage, i.e. a load of stocks sitting there and you're doing nothing with it, buying a load of stuff that you, you don't need. You know, there's one thing about people in your business. They will spend your money quite happily. They won't think twice. They won't do any research. So we have a purchase order system. We make people get three independent and different quotes before they go and spend money. Now, under a certain amount of money, like 50 quid, they can spend because you don't want like a million different purchase order forms because people are, oh, I want to spend two pence and three shillings. But I've done 48 hours of research to find out that I can save one shilling. You know, you, you, that's, that's wastage of time. So there's also the time wastage, you know, where you've got um, a really sort of a big hierarchical structure where someone has to go through a manager, a sub-manager and a sub-manager and a sub-manager to get to a decision. So are you lean in time, in personnel and in, you know, the stock and the assets you hold? You know, if you hold a, buy a load of stuff and it's depreciating, then obviously that's wastage. OK, number six is to reduce bad debt. So there's a, a metric in business called debtor days. Uh, and, you know, and that is the amount of days outstanding debt. Now, you want to track that. want to do the wastage um, audio and video podcast. I'll go back into that in more detail. But, you know, let's say someone buys a product of yours and it takes them an average of 45 days to pay. Well, if you can get that bad debt down to 30 days, you're bringing tomorrow's cash today, which gives you more liquidity, which means you can invest more into marketing, which means you can make more money. But also, if the average debt today is 45, some pay in 10 and some pay in 2000 and never, you know, so like if you can get people who don't pay to pay by having a good system for following up to chase your money and bring the, the money forward that wouldn't be there. So you increase, you reduce the bad debt percentage overall. Um, you know, if you have 5% refunds, you're probably doing really well. So if you're over 5% of bad debt or, or refunds, you want to look at that. And if you're under 5%, you're probably doing pretty well. Now, of course, that depends on the size of your business. If, you're, uh, if your business turns over 1 million or 50 million, um, you know, 1 million, you should be able to get it way down below 5%. If it's 50 million, it might be 7 or 8%. OK, then the next thing you can do, I think this might be number seven, is you can reduce your taxes. Now, of course, that's not net profit on your um, profit loss statement. It's net profit to you personally. But, you know, there are capital allowances. There's entrepreneur's relief. You know, there's all sorts of things you can offset legitimately in your business. If you go on the HMI website and get a researcher to do some research and find out what you're not claiming back. Uh, and what you find is people don't focus on that until they start making a load of money. Then they make a load of money. Then they spend 45% of it on tax. And they're like, oh, my God, OMFG, WTF. And they're not ROFLing. So, yeah, you know, you want to invest some time on reducing your taxes. Because if you make a million quid a year and you save 20% of your tax... That's £200,000 straight on your personal bottom line. 
All right, so speed. Now, in business, speed equals money and friction equals lack of money. So, you know, even from your internet connection, how quick people pick up the phone in your company, how quickly com- your, your staff communicate with each other, how quickly you communicate to customers, how quickly people can pay on your, you know, online portals, on your payment gateways. Increase the speed at which you do business and you'll increase your profit margin. So look in your business. Where is it slow? Where are decisions getting clogged? Where is it the opposite of lean? Where is there loads of wastage? Where are pages taking ages to load? You know, where can people not get through, etc.? Reduce the friction, increase the speed, increase the profit. Next one is increasing your liquidity. You might have money sat in stock. You might have money sat in depreciating assets. And of course, depreciation of that asset is killing it. So every now and again, you want to liquidate your stock. You want to get rid of it, maybe do a bit of a... This is why the the shops do sales, to liquidate the stock so they can actually get some money back for it, but also they're liquid. Um, And when your business is liquid, it fuels it. It's like the engine that fuels the fire. So maybe you can bring money forward that's stuck in assets or stock or inventory. Okay, next one is knowing what to rent in your business, what to buy in your business and what to, to depreciate on the balance sheet. So some things are better off renting. So for example, if you're, you know, company cars, especially if you have an LLP, you can have a one car per partner, you can have four partners. So you can run four cars, all the costs through the LLP. Um, so in that regard, it's much better to contract hire them rather than buy them. Because of course, if you buy them, you, you're taking more of the depreciation, etc. Um, you know, some of your uh, computers might be best getting some kind of lease deal with someone like Dell, um, because if you buy them, they go down significantly and they're out of date in three years. Uh, your printers, for example, we've got like these huge industrial printers and um, we lease them. Now, if we buy them, we'd be paying about 50 times as much to manage them as they are to buy. Uh, and, um, you know, so for, I'll give you an example, like the printers is um, uh, my very first uh, Ferrari I had seven or eight years ago, it was a Ferrari 430 Spider, And I bought it for uh, 67 and a half and sold it for 62, I think. Or it might have been the other way around, but basically there was only about a four and a half grand difference between what I paid for it and what I sold it. And I had it for four years. And like that kind of depreciation, it's virtually nothing. But to run that Ferrari for four years, you know, you needed to be a billionaire just to fill it up with petrol. So that thing cost us a huge amount of money. And I say us because my business partner owned it as well. Um, he owned the passenger side. I got to drive it more. <laughs> so, you know, in that regard, it was, it, was, it was okay to buy it because we didn't lose much on the capital. But of course, the, the running and the maintenance of it was huge. So, with, you know, like the, the guys who are repairing our printers, they might as well have a tent in the office. They're every day. Those printers go wrong all the time. Now, if we bought them, you know, the capital cost of these huge industrial printers might be seven or eight grand. And we might have five of them in the office. But man, you know, the, the depreciation cost, the repair and the maintenance cost would be huge. So if you get a lease deal with the free maintenance, you're laughing and they're losing a lot of money. OK, so just knowing what to rent, what to buy and what to depreciate. Other things it's better having on your balance sheet, maybe appreciating assets or things that don't depreciate quite as much, like buying your own building, you know, buying your own office that you lease to the company that you own yourself. That's something you definitely want to buy if you can. OK, the next thing you want to do is review your margins regularly. Because unless you're tracking your net profit margins, you know, they might start 25%, they go to 23, they go to 21, they go to 19, they go to 17. You know, they're going to thin over time as you grow. But if they're thinning too quickly, then there's wastage. So uh, I assume you have key performance indicators in your business, uh, the things that you measure and track to know that your business is surviving and thriving and alive. Uh, And if you're not, you want to make sure that you do that and tracking your your net profit at your gross as well. Gross is very relevant in a product kind of business, in an information business, not as much. 
you know, the net is the sanity, the turnover is the vanity. Um, the next thing a lot of people do is they discount and they think that they're discounting and creating more profit. They're not. They're creating more turnover, more liquidity, but they could be reducing their profit margin because they're not making profit on what they discount. So if your net profit margin is 20%, so something that's 100 quid, you make 20 quid and you drop it to 80 quid, you're making no profit. Now, on the other side of that coin, if you discount by 20% and you give all your profit margin away, but after they buy that 100 pound product, they go on to buy a 1,000 pound product, and then they go on to buy a 5,000 pound product, and you've got 20% margin in those, discounting and giving them that net margin essentially as a discount is a great thing to increase your lifetime client value, your LCV. So don't discount or do discount depending on if it's right for your overall margins. Check your inventories regularly. So check your stock, check everything you have, check that it's not getting nicked, Check that, uh, you know, it might need to be sold because it might go out of date. You know, we do a lot of online training. So we've, we, um, we have one training program called the Buy to Let Boom. And we've got like thousands of these audio sets called Buy to Let Boom. Well, if there's a Buy to Let Bust, we better sell those quick because they're not going to sell very well in the bust. Now, I wrote a book called How to Make... Uh, can't even remember the name of my own book. I bought a book called Make Cash in a Property Market Crash. And it was selling loads until the market recovered. So once the market recovers, you want to get rid of all of those because you don't want to have to save them for 15 years for the next crash. So a lot of your products might need to go now because they might not need, they might not be as relevant. You know, a bit like a, f- um, a fashion business where, you know, the trends and the fashions, they, they go out of season. So you want to get rid of them. So you want to look at your inventories and keep them lean and keep them relevant. The balance of that is, you know, you, you don't want to buy a stock of a thousand and then sell 10,000 then have 9,000 unhappy customers. So you're, oh, that's always that, like the dichotomy is how much stock do you buy and balancing that. You've got to track that well. You've got to keep a good inventory of it. All right. Now, a lot of people are going out there trying to find new customers, spending a load of marketing money uh, that they, they're not tracking on new customers when they've got existing customers that would buy everything else that you've got. So selling to existing customers, you already have the rapport, you, you have less friction, you have more speed, you have the trust. You know, you've given them a good service to so sell them more stuff because the marketing spend on an existing customer is virtually zero. You've already spent the marketing money on getting them to buy your product, first product. So either get them to buy your second, third and fourth or create a second, third and fourth. All right. The next thing is leveraging the low cost and the free marketing. You know, so many people, they're spending a lot of money on ads billboards, they do TV advertising, you know, they spend a huge amount of money on expos, you know, these shows, these massive branded stands that they just stand in and no one goes in. And, you know, I don't know why they do that. I guess they think that if they spend, they'll get a return. I mean, that's definitely not a given. So why don't you look at leveraging the lower cost and the free marketing platforms like social media, do your live feed videos, your Facebook page, Facebook profile, Facebook groups, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, you know, there's so many of these, your, your blogs, um, doing guest blogs, uh, conversing and, and um, you know, getting involved in communities like this where I'm doing the lifey video for um, because uh, it's so much less risky and so much more profitable if you don't have to pay as much for the marketing spend. Now, an important marketing metric is MAC, which is maximum acquisition cost. So you've got to work out what your maximum acquisition cost per client is based on maybe a net 10% profit margin. And you know you can spend that amount of money to acquire your client. If you go over it, it's a warning. If you go under it, you'll get an extra margin. Now, in many stock businesses, uh, and maybe businesses that take cash, Subway, for example, the, the big problem for them is theft. So people nicking the food, and people nicking the money out of the till. So if you go to a Subway, if you ever notice it, there's like cameras everywhere. There's a camera on the wall, there's a camera on the ceiling, there's a camera on the side, there's a camera on the head cam of the person in the till. Uh, You know, there's an alarm, there's a delay, all this kind of stuff. Uh, Yeah, so um, if you can reduce theft and loss 
and negligence in your business, obviously that's 100% uh, net margin because you would have lost it. I've just had someone comment, uh, say that this was 17 last time and now it's 18. Yes, thank you, that is true because I've added one. <laughs> All right, uh, next is increase your conversion percentage. So, you know, if you, let's say you turn over a million pounds and let's say your products are £10,000 each. Why am I making the math so difficult for myself? So that's 100 products. And let's say you have 1,000 leads to sell 100 products, so you convert to 10%. If you convert to 20%, you double your turnover. So getting better at your craft, converting better, finding a more targeted niche, finding a customer ready to buy rather than wanting to learn before they, they can buy, um, you know, increasing your brand reach and awareness and trust Increasing the touch points that people have around you. So you've got a podcast, you've got a live feed, you've got a blog, you've got your own Facebook communities, you know, you're seen everywhere. So when people actually come to talk to you, if it's one-to-one, um, or, or find you online if it's one-to-many, they've already seen you unconsciously eight or nine times. Therefore, they trust you and know that you're real. And therefore, there's less friction and more speed to sell with you and your conversion rate will go up. So you want to track your conversion rate. Because you can either get more leads or increase your conversion to increase your money. So if you increase your number of leads and your conversion percentage, you win twice. And your profit margins go psh. Okay, next thing. And I got done for this. When I say done, people who sell, they, they hate selling. And they hate everyone who sells. And they bash everyone that sells. I'm the one, those kind of people that I like to sell. Although I don't get to do it as much because I'm kind of, well, I'm retired from my businesses basically. But I do love to sell. But I even more love it when people sell to me. I don't like it when they do it badly, but I will sit and watch them with my jaw on the floor in awe if they sell to me well, and they'll always get my money. I'm the easiest person to sell to. So um, my son is the, he was the best five-year-old golfer in the world, till he turned six, uh, and um, we were just entering him for the European Championships. And it's 295 quid to enter your son, no, dollar, dollars, uh, to enter your son into the European Championships. And um, on the checkout page, it said, would you like a beer, a caddy bib with your son's name on it for an extra $17? And I was like, click, buy. I'd have bought two of them. I'd have paid $35 to have my name on the front and my son's name on the back. And I did it and I thought, great. And then afterwards I thought, oh, they've got me there. They've caught me hook, line and sinker. But that was the best place to get me. You know, I've already got the credit card out. I'm already spending and they've got me on an ego sell on something that they know I want. And, you know, if 30% if, if of the, say, 1,000 people who spend $295 spend $17, so what's 300 people times $17? That's, what, $5,000 for nothing other than checking that little button on the uh, checkout page. So are you upselling or cross-selling at point of sale? The best time to ask for the referral, to cross-sell, to upsell, is when the credit card is out, is when they're ready to buy. And if you're not asking, you won't get. So upsell, cross-sell at point of sale, which leads to the next one, which is having a referral program or an ambassador program. So are you asking your best clients to refer? When your clients are the most happy with you and your service, that's when you should say to them, I'm so grateful, thank you. Please, could you give me the number of three other people that you think would really benefit? So, um, you know, if 20% of your business comes for referrals, the referrals is likely to cost you the least in marketing because it doesn't cost for anyone to refer people to you. So there's probably going to be your highest margin in that. And now some small businesses say, well, we get 100% referrals. And they say it like they're proud of that. And whilst it's good, you could be getting five times or 10 times your business if you're also doing paid, low cost and other free marketing um, vehicles and media. So balance a referral program if you've got a lot of referrals with um, sort of more conventional marketing. But if you don't have an ambassador program, which is a strategic referral system where people get paid a commission to refer people to you, you might want to set that up. A great book on this is How to Sell Anything to Anybody by Joe Girard. 
And I thought that was a book about how to sell, and I read it, and basically it's a book about how to create a load of on incoming leads. He's, he's the world record holder for selling the most cars in the world ever, and um, he, get, he sells 60 cars, I think, a month, and everyone just comes into his shop and say, I want to go to Joe Girard. Joe Girard's the man you've got to buy a car from. They're more interested in buying Joe, from Joe Girard than they are the car that they're buying. And so he's created a great influx, so it's, you know, a pull rather than a push marketing strategy. So you actually want to set up an ambassador program. We have them for our companies. And you want to have someone who manages that. The last one is your recruitment process. So uh, James Kahn was a mentor of mine. I paid him three and a half grand a session. Um, and in the early days when he was mentoring me, 2010 it started, he said to me that a bad hire can cost your business up to £24,000. And I was gobsmacked. I'll be honest, part of me didn't believe it. 24 grand, I mean, that's a salary. But basically, you know, it might cost you 15% in recruitment fees. So 15% of their salary. So if they're earning 30 grand, it might cost you four and a half grand just to hire them. And then if they only last four months, you've got to pay another four and a half grand to hire the next one. So it's actually cost you nine grand just to get them. Now, of course, all the mistakes they make, all the sales they don't do, etc. the bad will when they leave and other people leave and they sleep with other staff and then they all leave and then they go and critique you online and they fall out with you and then you get, and this all adds up. So we made a load of mistakes there in the start because I just used to say, there's your desk. There's your computer. Now get the fuck on with it. Make me loads of money. Don't come to me with problems. Come to me with solutions. And that is the worst onboarding process ever. Um, and I did a podcast. I laid out our entire onboarding process. We have about 75 staff in the office and about 150 outsourced um, staff and, you know, um, suppliers, etc., consultants. And um, yeah, we've got a very specific process we go through now. For example, for two weeks, we just, they're not allowed to do anything in the job other than go around all the departments and learn how to do their job. We're not allowed to dump all of our problems onto them for at least two weeks. And, you know, we've got, a, we've got a job good job descriptions. We've got all their key result areas listed out, etc. So better recruitment will remove our load of wastage. So here are the few of the things that you might want to consider in your recruitment. On my podcast, The Disruptive Entrepreneur, I have done at least six or seven different episodes in one way or another about better recruitment hiring better people finding better talent letting you know letting them crack on and do it you know leveraging them and, and that kind of thing retaining them onboarding them so number one is you've got to hire better people and you know you'll blame them if they're no good the only person that's responsible is you because you hired them number two is you want to get your recruitment fees reduced so get discounts from the recruitment consultants or look for other ways other than just recruiting through consultants like LinkedIn or getting referrals from your staff. If you pay your staff 250 quid for every person they refer that stays beyond probation, you may get uh, staff coming in that way and then that reduces those huge bills. We had someone that we um, were recruiting for that was a six-figure salary. They were 25% of their salary. 25 grand for just going on their database and introducing someone. I'm in the wrong business. All right, fine. Uh, next thing is you've got to onboard them better. Culture, values, get them sensing what's unique and different about you. Give them the full process. Give them the guided tour. Let them speak to all the members of the team. Let them learn the business. Let them make some mistakes without tearing uh, their head off. Okay, how increasing retention. So, you know, celebrating their successes, making them feel important, giving them career pro progression, giving them an opportunity to grow their role and earn more. Let go of bad hires quicker. You all know when you've let bad hires hang on and it's a disservice to them because if it's not right for them, it's not going to be right for you. And, you know, they're hanging on because they don't know what else to do. And the best thing you can do is liberate them. So let go of bad hires quicker and then incentivize your staff to grow their role, to bring in more business and to refer other people to you so you reduce your recruitment costs. All right, we covered a lot. Let's do a quick summary. Increase your prices. 20% means you double your profit margin. 
Uh, reduce your cost fixed and variable. Increase the volume of your business because there's more profit on the last and the next sale you do because all the costs already been sunk. Increase the value proposition. Give more value, make more money. Increase, um, you know, how people perceive you, your brand, the goodwill. I think I might have missed that in round one. Uh, reduce the wastage, physical, time and um, inventory and, the, you know, the, the lack of leanness in your business. Reduce bad debt, debtor days and actual um, money going into the ether. Reduce your personal tax. Increase the speed at which you do business, therefore reducing the friction in any way you can. Decisions, taking money, getting cross sales, etc. Increase the liquidity of your business by turning uh, physical assets into cash to reinvest into marketing. And knowing what to rent, what to buy and what to depreciate on the balance sheet. Review your margins regularly to make sure they're not completely eroding. Don't discount on some products to give away all your margin. Do discount on others to increase your margin. Monitor all the KPIs in your business. Check the inventories regularly. Sell more to existing customers where there's virtually no overhead. Leverage low cost and free marketing, not just the paid and expensive marketing. Reduce loss and theft in your business. Increase your conversion percentages. Upsell and cross-sale at point of sale where there's the least friction for buying. Build a referral and ambassador program and improve your recruitment processes. Wow, boom. All right, that's 26 minutes. Thanks for your time and attention. Please share this if you think it's useful to anyone. Please tag anyone in, in the communities, in the disruptive entrepreneur community, or I did this live video actually for 4N for the first time. So if you think any business people could benefit from this, that'd be great. Uh, and um, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Rob again, stay with me here because I've got a gift for you. I get asked for these a lot and I thought, well, I'll, I'll leverage my time and yours and I will put these four things I get asked a lot into a free gift for you. So if you go to tiny.cc forward slash Rob's report, then what I've done is I've written for you an article on the top 21 apps I use to create the mobile lifestyle. I've written an article on the 14, my most favorite educational, inspirational, informative documentaries of the you know, most inspiring people in the world. I've written uh, which ones they are and a synopsis of each one. I'm very well known for having lots of very specific goals, detailed vision values. So I'm sharing with you my particular document I use, I've PDF'd it for you. And also the fastest ways I know to make money for startup and scale up entrepreneurs. So I've written an article and a detailed report on each one. I've put them all into one. And all you have to do is go to tiny.cc forward slash Rob's report. You get those for free. I'll never ask anything from you, spam. I'll never spam you, never sell to you. And then also once a week, I'll send you a new article or a new video content that's a bit different that maybe you wouldn't get normally from the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast. So I hope you find that useful. Remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Mm -hmm.